March 27th. And now as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our text today will be from the book of Luke chapter 7, beginning at verse 36. We'll go through chapter 8 and verse 3. We'll see that she could not hide. The sinful woman trusted Christ, and he saved her. Now she wanted to express her love to him. You know, true faith cannot be hidden, and true faith shows itself in love and worship. Simon the Pharisee was blind. He could not even see himself, the Lord, or the woman. He was an empty shell. He had no idea the debt that he owed. As we move into Luke chapter 8, we'll be reading about a multitude hearing him. Jesus was not impressed by the crowds that followed him. Renew the spiritual condition of their hearts. The parable of the sower helps us examine our hearts to see how we respond to the word. But it's not enough to hear the word. We must also obey it and trust it when the time of testing comes. And of course, the time of testing will surely come. What parallels do we find in Scripture with the Israelites of the uh, biblical days and our country today? Ron Mel, in his book, Right with God, he says, When God says, Heed my word, we need to remember that he has watched countless people walk across this planet. He has watched the pain and trouble that have come from every violation of his commands. How could a loving God do less than warn us? How could he do less than set his protective fences down across the landscape of our lives and urge us to walk safely within them? The Ten Commandments are those fences to keep us safe. Back in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 19, the word says, If you forget the Lord your God and follow other gods, worshiping and bowing down to them, you will certainly be destroyed. We may think God exists to bless America. We, of course, are familiar with the song, God Bless America. The bumper stickers that say, God Bless America. Our president always finishes speeches, well, very often anyway, with God Bless America. We may think God exists to bless America, but according to Scripture, according to the one who has watched countries and nations and kingdoms rise and fall, America exists to bless God. Perhaps we should have a bumper sticker that we would circulate that would say, not God bless America, but America bless God. Well, with that, let's begin our reading today here in the New Testament. March 27th, Luke chapter 7, verse 36, through chapter 8, verse 3. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to come to his home for a meal. So Jesus accepted the invitation and sat down to eat. A certain immoral woman heard he was there and brought a beautiful jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee, who was the host, saw what was happening and who the woman was, he said to himself, This proves that Jesus is no prophet. If God had really sent him... He would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus spoke up and answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. All right, teacher, Simon replied. Go ahead. Then Jesus told him this story. 
A man loaned money to two people, five hundred pieces of silver to one and fifty pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss of greeting, but she has kissed my feet again and again from the time I first came in. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, Your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, Who does this man think he is, going around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Not long afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby cities and villages to announce the good news concerning the kingdom of God. He took his twelve disciples with him, along with some women he had healed and from whom he had cast out evil spirits. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. You are distinctly different from anybody else. You are forbidden to imitate other people. You are forbidden to copy other people. You have been marked. When God wanted you, he created you. If he'd have wanted Sally, he'd have created Sally. If he'd have wanted Jimmy, he'd have called Jimmy. If he'd have wanted Ted, he'd have called Ted. When he called you, he called you because he wants you. You never have to be stressed out trying to be anybody other than yourself. He wants you. Your fingerprint is distinctly different from anybody else out of the billions of people on this earth. God never repeated on your fingertips with anybody else the same print. You are different from anybody else anywhere in the world. Past, present, or future. Nobody has ever even had your print. You are distinctly different from anyone. The hairs on your head are numbered not counted. That would be awesome enough to know that they were counted, that God could speak to you and tell you how many they were. But that is not enough to say that they are counted. They are numbered. To be numbered means that if one of them gets caught in a comb, he knows that that's hair number 15,438. The hair on your head is numbered. You are special to God. You are set apart. He has an agenda for you. The enemy is terrified of people that have been sanctified. He is terrified. He will set traps and obstacles and bondages to keep you from entering into your purpose because he is terrified of you. 
Don't waste time being terrified of him. He is terrified of you. The greater the struggles you face, the greater the challenges you go through, the greater the turmoil in your life is all the indication that Satan has assigned assassins to terminate you from reaching your designated target. He will do anything to overwhelm you, belittle you, to rip you of your confidence, your self-esteem. He doesn't mind how much you shout and how much you dance as long as you don't have any confidence, any faith, or any integrity. He doesn't mind how excited you get as long as when you get through shouting you have no character. He wants to rip you until you become impotent and so impoverished in your spirit that you are an empty building, a ghost town, a vacant house. Your lights are on, nobody's at home. You're going through the motions of life with the form of godliness denying the power thereof. He doesn't mind how many days you live as long as you don't live in the days that you have. He wants to rob you and rape you and abuse you. In fact, the enemy comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He wants to sabotage your success because you were created to win. You were carved to win. You were set aside to win. You were formed to win. The part are meant for you to be a successful vessel of honor that you might be meat for the master's use. You were not meant to fail. You were not meant to die. You were not meant to quit. You were not meant to collapse. You were meant to live. Doctors still can't figure out why the human body died because the body was meant to rebuild itself, refurbish itself, restrengthen itself. You were not meant to faint. You were not meant to collapse. You were not meant to have a nervous breakdown, a stress attack, a migraine headache, break out in nervous conditions and rashes and all types of diseases and hypertension and have stress attacks and heart attacks and nervous breakdowns. You were not meant to lose it, lose control, break out, kick the dog, slap the cat, kill the children, beat the wife, dog the children. You were not meant to be a failure. You were not meant to be destitute, to be lonely, to be hungry, to be isolated, to be driven. You were meant to be the head and not the tail, above only and not the deep. You were meant to prosper and live in goodly houses. You are children of the King, the heavenly host, the God of Israel dwells in the midst of you. Touch somebody and tell them you don't even know who I am. Psalm 69, verses 1 through 18. Psalm 69 begins with sinking, but ends with singing. It goes from prayer to praise, from reproach to rejoicing, because David poured out his heart to the Lord. Listen, no matter how painful your situation may be, tell God exactly how you feel. Go to God and don't try to put on religious airs. And this is a messianic psalm. Out of David's sufferings, the Lord revealed His Son. One purpose God has in allowing His people to suffer is that they might become more like Jesus Christ, and that makes it worth it all. In attacking King David, the enemy was also rebelling against God and inviting their own judgment. It's easy to bear reproach because we want to be accepted and approved by others. But in the battle against sin... God's soldiers are often falsely accused and lied about. When this happens to you, remember that it also happened to David and it also happened to Jesus. You're in good company. A.B. Simpson said, I would rather play with forked lightning or take in my hand living wires with their fiery current than speak a reckless word against any servant of Christ or idly repeat the slanderous darts which thousands of Christians are hurling on others to the hurt of their own souls and bodies. 
Psalm chapter 69, verses 1 through 18. For the choir director, a psalm of David, to be sung to the tune, Lilies. Save me, O God, for the floodwaters are up to my neck. Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold to stand on. I'm in deep water, and the floods overwhelm me. I am exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched and dry. My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for my God to help me. Those who hate me without cause are more numerous than the hairs on my head. These enemies who seek to destroy me are doing so without cause. They attack me with lies, demanding that I give back what I didn't steal. Oh God, you know how foolish I am. My sins cannot be hidden from you. Don't let those who trust in you stumble because of me. O Sovereign Lord Almighty, don't let me cause them to be humiliated, O God of Israel, for I am mocked and shamed for your sake. Humiliation is written all over my face. Even my own brothers pretend they don't know me. They treat me like a stranger. Passion for your house burns within me, so those who insult you are also insulting me. When I weep and fast before the Lord, they scoff at me. When I dress in sackcloth to show sorrow, they make fun of me. I am the favorite topic of town gossip, and all the drunkards sing about me. But I keep right on praying to you, Lord, hoping this is the time you will show me favor. In your unfailing love, O God, answer my prayer with your sure salvation. Pull me out of the mud. Don't let me sink any deeper. Rescue me from those who hate me and pull me from these deep waters. Don't let the floods overwhelm me, or the deep waters swallow me, or the pit of death devour me. Answer my prayers, O Lord, for your unfailing love is wonderful. Turn and take care of me, for your mercy is so plentiful. Don't hide from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I am in deep trouble. Come and rescue me. Free me from all my enemies. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1. To learn, you must love discipline. It is stupid to hate correction.